Sunday. Happy Sunday, everybody. I hope everybody had a great weekend. I know I did. Uh, these weekends just tend to go way too fast. We're about an hour later than we usually are. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. This is California Haunts Radio, and this is Sunday Reading Day. And what happens on Sunday Reading Day is I read from a paranormal-themed book. It might be a true story. It may be you know, a fantasy story. But I do read from a paranormal-themed book every Sunday. Today we're reading from Lynn Monet's Omnipresent. This is the last day we're going to be reading this book. It's been an interesting book. It's a spooky book. And uh, I don't know how long I'm going to be reading today. Right? And uh, I'm looking over on TikTok and looking over Facebook and looking over YouTube. And just bear in mind, TikTok, that you are coming up really fast on my phone, so I do not have time to uh, read it. I have old eyes anyway. So I'm going to be reading from a book today. We do have permission from the author and the publisher to read the book. Also, uh, if you're watching from Facebook and you like what you see tonight, please hit those thumbs up, hit those smileys, hit hit, hit the happy faces, and uh, and ask questions. Ask questions on Facebook you know, if you have questions. And what that does is it puts us higher in the FYP over on Facebook and more people visit our site and, 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 and visit what I'm doing and they can see me live. And if you're at home having dinner or something and you like what you hear and see on the show and you want to get somebody's attention, share us. Share us around. Be sure to share it so that we can get more attention because that's what we're looking for, okay? And if you haven't done so already and you like what you hear tonight, please follow. Hit that follow button. Uh, we're also broadcasting live on YouTube and Twitch at this point. And the same thing goes for YouTube. If you haven't subscribed already and you like what you see here today, please be sure to do that. Uh, we have over 680, 700 videos over on YouTube of this show. And we don't do reading like this every day. We have guests from the paranormal community that come on and talk about their books and talk about different things going on, like, like cryptids and things like that, ghosts, you name it, UFOs. We have that going on. So that happens uh, Monday through Friday. Uh, the show does air Sunday through Friday. Okay? So help us out with that over on YouTube. If you, and, uh, I think you'll find something that you like. Check out those more than 700 videos over there. Everything's been categorized. So if you're into UFOs, click on the UFO file. If you're into medium Nancy Mats, click on the medium Nancy Mats file. And you'll see it. Otherwise, it's a big mess. Okay, and if you haven't done so already, again, please, please feel free to subscribe. Give me a thumbs up, comment, and all that good stuff. Keep us up in that FYP. Same thing with Twitch. And over here on, on uh, TikTok. TikTok, TikTok. Uh, if you like what you hear, tap that screen. You know, just do, do some multi-taps for me. I'm really being honest. I'm trying to build up my TikTok audience, and I'm trying to build up my formats. And if you could uh, show show me that you like what I do, please do that today. I really appreciate it. I really would. Um, again, I can't really see your comments because you're off at a distance. Because I'm trying to, you know, balance both. I've got my PC on, and I've got this on. I don't qualify yet for. Um, uh, doing this TikTok on my PC, so this is how it has to be until I, until I get a new tablet. Because my tablet's had to quit it too. But uh, again, this is a a rated PG station. It's also a rated R station at times. And please, you know, if, if you're uncomfortable with what I'm reading or, or what you hear, please feel free to just move on. Please don't, you know, turn me into TikTok police or anything like that. Uh, th that's why the station's rated, rated like it is, okay? Uh, California Haunts Radio. I'm name is Charlotte. I am going to be your host. I should read for about an hour. I'm not sure how much more time we have left with this book, so we'll find out. It may be shorter than an hour, and then we'll just call it. We'll call it even with the book, okay? But um, I'm going to read to the very end, and it may take. It may, it may be an hour, maybe longer. But uh, if, again, if you guys like, hang on one second. If you guys like what you hear. Please feel free to give me some thumbs up and all that good stuff. Also, over on TikTok, I do have a goal of 50 uh, Happy Meals. And if you can find it in your heart to do that, that would be great. You're not required to give me gifts or anything like that. The only thing I, the, the only thing I ask of you is if you like what you hear, please tap that screen and, 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 and show me some love. You know, send me some hearts. I'm just trying. Like I said, I'm just trying to build all this up. Okay, because we're going to be doing some neat things on this on, on this YouTube, on this TikTok channel, and it's all coming up. It's all coming up. So I'm going to be spending even more time with you guys during the week to get to know you guys. You guys can get to know me. All right. Again, this is California Haunts Radio. We broadcast Sunday through Friday at uh, 6.30 p.m. Pacific every day. And for those of you on TikTok that aren't privy to these broadcasts, you can find us at 6.30 p.m. Pacific every day at YouTube.com forward slash at California Haunts Radio. Or you can find us on TikTok, 
at California Haunts, or you can find us on on uh, Twitter at California Haunts, at Twitch for Cal Haunts, Facebook for California Haunts, and then under my personal name, and we're also on Instagram under Ghosty Gal all lowercase. Again, we do have permission from the author and the publisher from the publisher to read the book, so there's no copyright issues or anything like that. And if again, if you, if you find you know what I'm reading uncomfortable, just move on, okay? Just move on. Anyway, so since it's Sunday and everybody's probably just finishing their Sunday dinners and they're kind of kicking back, getting ready to start work for the week, do that. Lower the lights down a little bit, you know, put some nice music on, maybe spooky music on, and turn me up. And uh, we're going to read from Omnipresent, and you can just close your eyes and just listen as I read or, or do whatever you do. If you're knitting or you're sitting outside watching, your, watching all the woodland creatures running around your yard or whatever, this is your chance to just kind of sit back, relax, and kind of slide into your Monday. Okay? So here we go. Chapter 10, Omnipresent by Lynn Monet. And again, if you guys like what you hear, send me those thumbs up and all that good stuff. Okay? Same thing with TikTok. Tap that screen. Tap that screen. And like I said, I'm looking for likes. Okay? I'm looking to build this up. And again, if you, if, if you decide that you like it and you want to send me a gift, that's fine too. I'm not pushing for it. I do have a goal up there of 50 uh, Happy Meals. So it would be kind of cool to get some of those. I'm hungry. Right? Uh, so, uh, come on down. Let's do this. Here we go. Chapter 10, Trials and Tribulations. Now, again, I don't know how long I'm going to be reading, so we're just going to go for it to finish this thing off. We're real close to finishing. And I do have permission from the publisher and the author to read the book. Okay? And again, please do not turn me into TikTok police if, you, if you're uncomfortable with what I'm reading. Uh, just move on and, you know, and uh, go your merry way. Okay? Here we go. Thank you. And if you like what you hear, everybody, it goes for everybody. Give me a thumbs up, Facebook, Twitter, uh, TikTok. Give me, you know, tap that screen for likes. Double tap the screen. I'm trying to build up my likes. And uh, Facebook and YouTube, give me some thumbs up and stuff, okay? Show, show me some love, you guys. Just show me some love. So here we go. Trials and Tribulations. Three days later, Ellen volunteered to come back with me to the East Flat Rock house. She wanted to help me with the cleansing that Megan had told me to do. Megan had said that the cleansing would follow up and clear out any of the negative energy that might be left behind by both of the demons and from the previous owners. Ellen also wanted to come along to see how the wooden flooring had turned out. Even though things in the house seemed to be finally normal, I was still happy to have someone along with me. When we arrived at the house, the key worked just fine. We walked in and Ellen said that she really liked the flooring. Then we went upstairs into the kitchen. I got out the ceramic bowl, magazine lighter, and sage bundle that we had brought along. I decided to start the cleansing in the kitchen, since that was the room where we were already, that we were already in. I lit the sage bundle and recited the Lord's Prayer into the room. Then I asked for the Lord's direction and protection. I used the sage bundle smoke to cleanse myself first. I started from my head and worked my way down to the bottoms of my feet, having the smoke touch every part of my body. This is called smudging. Then Ellen was also smudged. I started to fan the smoke up into the corners of the ceiling edges with the magazine that I had brought. After finishing the ceilings, I continued to, to fan the smoke from the wall tops to the baseboards. Then I slowly walked through each of the upstairs rooms and closets, making sure that I didn't miss a spot. With Ellen by my side, I ventured down the stairs, fanning the sage, filling the hallway and stairwell with smoke from ceiling to floor. I expressed my concerns to Ellen about the possibility of setting off the smoke detectors inside the house. We went into the spare bedroom for, into the spare room first and turned on the light. The room still had boxes filled with items to be moved back to the trailer, along with the ladder. I started the cleansing in the corner opposite of the fuse box, and all went well. However, when I stood facing the wall that had the fuse box on it and attempted to fan the smoke up into the ceiling and wall line, the smoke would not rise up into that space it would blow back into my face. I remembered what Megan had said about the tunneling. I asked Ellen to bring me the ladder over, as I was determined to bless every inch of this house. I stood up on the ladder with the bowl of smoking sage in my hand and held the bowl up into the area, where the wall met the ceiling, just over the fuse box. The smoke again went flat, and then came off the plate like a waterfall of smoke on all sides and into my face. Do you see this? I asked Ellen. Oh my God, yes, she said. While still standing on the ladder, I tried again to place the bowl up into the area. The smoke still would not go up to the ceiling. 
crease, but instead came back down into my face. I moved farther over on that small wall, on that same wall, and continued trying to get the smoke from that stage to go up into the ceiling and wall crease. The result was the same for the entire length of that one wall. Then, Ellen asked if she could give it a try. I handed her the bowl, and she got up onto the ladder. I watched as she raised the bowl up into the ceiling wall crease, holding the bowl within eight inches from the ceiling. The sage was fuming with a good amount of smoke coming off of it until she lifted the plate up into that space. The smoke immediately flatlined and came right back into Ellen's face, irritating her eyes. The area in the wall crease looked as if there was a piece of arched, <clears throat> invisible plexiglass wedged up into it. Whatever was up there didn't want any blessing in that area. I helped Ellen off that ladder. Normally, I would never believe that something like this could happen. But again, someone else was with me who saw the same thing. Neither one of us could understand it. Ellen and I didn't know what to think about what we had just seen. We left the bonus room and decided to smudge the garage next. The house was filled with smoky residue that was lightly floating in the air. The garage gave us a chance to step out of the smoke for a short time. I placed the sage bowl on the shelf to go and move some boxes that were inhibiting access to the walls. Then I opened the storage space under the stairs, and a stench of dead carcass emitted from it. You must have a dead mouse or rat in there, Ellen said. I used the sage under the stairs first, filling the small area with smoke, then continued from ceiling to floor of the large garage. I prayed out loud in the room, asking for God's protection and for this house to be totally free of the negative forces that once existed. It took about an hour to bless the garage. Once finished, we re-entered the house and went into the only room that still needed smudging. The family room was still brighter. I took comfort in that. I started the blessing on the wall to my left and worked my way around the room to the stone-covered wall with the fireplace. Again, the smoke would not go up in the ceiling. And the ceiling wall crease that was closest to the bonus room. Yet, as I moved over on the wall, the unsmokable space seemed to taper as I went to the opposite corner of the same wall. When I had finished, I set the fuming bowl of sage inside of the fireplace to fill the chimney with its spiritual cleansing and to finish burning out. Ellen and I gathered our things and left. During the ride home, I mentioned to Ellen that I was going to have a yard sale at the East Flat Rock House on the upcoming Saturday. I figured that I would have more luck selling items from a nice house in a great neighborhood than I would have in an old trailer park. Ellen asked me if she could come with me to help me set up the night before. She wanted the first chance to see if there was anything I was selling that she might want. I told her that I would take her with me on Friday evening. Ellen arrived home from work on Friday and came over to my trailer. We loaded the boxes to be sold and hauled them over to the house. Once we arrived, I went to the garage to set up some tables for the sale. Ellen then walked around the house and noticed a few dead flies in the windowsills of Austin's bedroom. She didn't think much of it until she sat down in the giant hand-shaped chair that I had found in place in his room. While she admired the decorum, she glimpsed out of peripheral vision that something appeared to be ducking around the corner of the open closet. When she got up to see what it was, an orb flew out of the closet right past her and through the wall into the hallway. Concurrently, I was downstairs in the bonus room, removing items that I had planned to sell. I had a sense that I was being watched. All of a sudden, I felt the sensation of a snake coiling in my pocket and slithering down the outside of my leg. I knew that this was an impression made by, peering, by, by the peering presence. I also knew that it was waiting for my scared response to energize it. I calmly stood there and said out loud in the room, A snake crawling down my leg? Ha ha ha, that's funny. I stated that it had, it had no power over me. Then I commanded for it to leave, and it did. However, temporarily. My feeling was that it was a lower-level demon. Just then, Ellen came downstairs to tell me that she had some bad news. She had seen one of the spirits peering at her from around the corner of the closet in Austin's room, and it had flown out past her. I looked at my watch and told her that we needed to finish up, as things previously would get more active after 9 p.m. I handed her some boxes to put in the garage, then followed her into the garage and told her, in the meantime, to ignore them and to not even speak of them until we were alone. Ellen nodded in agreement. We finished up as quickly as possible. A light, musty-scented musty fog had started to fill the lower-level rooms. I asked Ellen what time it was. 9.15, she said. It's time to go, I said. We exited from the garage and went up to the front doors and locked them from the outside. During the ride home, Ellen told me about the flying orb she had seen in Austin's room 
and the dead flies that were on the windowsills. I dropped Ellen off and went to my trailer. I called my mom and made arrangements to have her come with me early the next morning to help me with the garage sale. The next morning, I drove over and picked up my mother. It was early and still dark outside when we arrived at the East Flat Rock house. I told my mom about what had happened to Ellen and me the night before. I also mentioned that when Megan did the clearing, clearing I did remember her removing <coughs> excuse me. I did remember her removing the lower level demon, but had assumed it had gone with the hell dog. Apparently it hadn't. We had no idea that we would be walking or what we would be walking into that morning. When we pulled up the drive into the driveway, we took a minute to ask God for his protection. Then we entered the house and, surprisingly, everything seemed peaceful and clear. We went downstairs and into the garage to open the door for the, for the sale. We finished setting up the driveway by pulling some items out in the clear view. I noticed that two other houses on the street were also having sales that day, one of which was next door. This was great for me because I would not have to run out and place signs to draw people in for my sale. I just set up one near my mailbox and another at the end of the street, along with the other neighbor's signs. By 7.30 in the morning, herds of people started driving onto my street. I was surprised when an hour had passed, and only one person out of all those people actually came to look at what I had for sale. He left because I didn't have any tools for sale. He said as he walked away that I had really nice stuff. I started putting more of the nicer items that I had for sale on display in the driveway. I had a new... I had a near-new lawnmower with a large tag that read $35, an extra-large kerosene heater, new in the box, for $25. I had nice, newer-conditioned ride-on kids' toys for $5, and excellent-conditioned designer kids' clothes for $0.50, cents, among other things. I was shocked that people were not knocking themselves over to buy my stuff. They were not even coming over to look. When another hour passed and only one lady had come over to buy a $2 tapestry pillow, I said to my mother, that if this kept up, I would close it by 11. People were still everywhere at the other two yard sales. I could see them from my garage. I waited until the people started to wane and then close at 11.30. It was like we were invisible. The pillow was the only thing that I sold that day. It may have been a coincidence, but I think that the negative energy that festers in the house acted as a repellent. My mother and I packed loaded boxes to be taken back to the trailer. I decided at that point to put the house up for sale on the upcoming Monday. The fight was futile as far as I was concerned. I was fed up. I was thankful that I still had some place to go with my children that was safe and demon-free. I wanted to move forward with my life without delay. I drove my mother home and then I went out to my trailer. I blessed everything that I had brought from the house before taking the items inside the trailer. I worked my shifts on the weekend. After dropping my children off at school on Monday, I called the newspaper and put an ad in the for sale by owner with a lease option. I started getting calls as soon as my ad hit the paper. I gave people directions to go over and look at the house and its location. And then if they wanted to see the inside, they could call me back. With the for sale by owner ad in the way in the newspaper, I diligently worked to get the remainder of the things out of the house. The only things that remained were my Christmas decorations from the demon-filled area under the stairs in the garage. I had my mother help me at the finishing touches to the final cleaning of the house. While we were there, I got a call from a lady who had grown up in the area and wanted to see the inside of the house the following day at 2 p.m. with her husband. She was interested in the lease option. When I got off the phone, I asked my mother if she would come back to the house with me the next day to stage some items in the house to give it a homier feel. My mom said that she needed to bring some cleaner for the kitchen sink to get that dried paint out of it. We finished up cleaning and made sure to remove everything from the house except a roll of toilet paper in each bathroom and some pump head soap. The next day, we returned to East Flat Rock an hour earlier than the people's appointment time so that my mother could finish the sink and I could place some towels and a plant or two in the kitchen and bathrooms. As we went up the walkway from the car, my mother asked me, Lynn, did you have the windows tinted on the house? No, I responded. That I have not. Then I glanced up at the windows on the upper level. They were black. I was not even able to see the vertical blind slats in Brittany's bedroom. That was odd. I looked at the windows on the lower level and could hardly believe what I saw. Hundreds of flies were covering the lower windows. I looked back up at the upper level windows and realized that they too were heavily covered with flies. And that was why I could not see through them. I pointed the flies out to my mother. She could not believe it either. 
We opened up the front entry doors and entered the house, not knowing for sure what to expect. The flies were swarming the windows, trying to get out. There were billions of large flies. I went into the kitchen, opened the windows over the sink, and took the screens out. My mother opened the sliding glass doors. Then we started using towels that I had brought along to usher the flies out of the open windows. Brown fly excrements speckled all of the window frames, panes, and sills. The windows in the breakfast nook area had been painted shut from the outside, so I couldn't open them. I found it extremely odd that I had so many flies trapped between the paint sealed panes and the window screens. The window screens were in good condition and were securely fixed in the window frame. No tears, no holes, not any. I had to remove the screens on all three windows in order to let the trap flies into the kitchen, then ushered them out of the open window. My mother continued to clear the kitchen of flies while I went down the hallway into the bedrooms, opening windows and removing screens. The flies seemed happy to get out. I could not imagine how old those flies had gotten into the house or how some of them had gotten in between the screens and panes. We now had 15 minutes before the people would arrive for their appointment. My mother worked to clean the brown speckles of fly excrement off of the sills, panes, and window frames while I went down to the lower level and opened the garage door to release the flies in the garage. Then I entered the family room and bonus room in the lower level. To my surprise, there were no flies in either. I went back upstairs and said to my mother, I wonder where all the flies came from. I don't know, she said, but there's no evidence of any maggots or hatchlings anywhere. And all the flies I've seen are big, full-grown ones. I could not imagine what could have possibly drawn the flies into the house. There was no garbage or food. The toilets were flushed and clean. There was nothing that would make an odor at all. We had even taken all the cleaning rags and cleaners with us the day before. My mother and I had just minutes to spare before the people were going to be showing up. We continued to clean up the mess that had been left by the flies. I went back around the house, checking each room, and again closing the windows that I had opened. The mystery remains about how the flies got in the house, as nothing had been left open during the night. The why the flies filled the house, we already know. The presences of multiple flies are demonic calling cards. In the rush of dealing with the fly issue, I had missed a call. After I checked my messages, I felt relieved that the people had called to reschedule their appointment for two days later. I was glad, because we still needed to clean the windows throughout the house. I wanted to call them back until after I left the house that day and confirmed the appointment with them for two days later at 2 p.m. in the afternoon. My mother and I returned to the house again two days later. We went over two hours early this time, just in case we would run into another issue like before. When we arrived, I had difficulty unlocking the door. I could hear the growling buzz of the creature on the other side. I started to pray out loud and the lock released. I entered the floor and stated, I am the current owner of this house and I'm coming in whether you like it or not. The house was in the same nice condition that we left it two days before. No more flies anywhere. When the family arrived to view the house, they had brought along two of their youngest three children. The people absolutely loved the house and the kids went from room to room picking out their bedrooms. Nobody wanted to swallow upstairs bedroom. The children asked if they could look downstairs at the rooms below, and with my permission, the two children went downstairs. Within minutes, they returned, both with, with, with large eyes like a deer caught in the headlights. The younger girl said to her older brother, I will take the little room upstairs. They both agreed that the other brother, who had not come with them, could have the creepy room downstairs. I realized in that moment that I would not be able, in good conscience, to sell the house to anyone with children. I knew that the children could sense, or perhaps even had even seen, the monsters that looked from below. Hauntings are not one of the things that are legally required disclosure on real estate papers. However, I planned to be honest if anyone asked about the spirits of the house. I could not afford to pray or to pay for a house that I could not live in. The expenses of the house had almost drained my savings completely. I could not risk damaging my credit again after I had worked so hard to rebuild it. I had to sell the house since I was no longer willing to move into it. After the people left, I went into the garage to retrieve my Christmas decorations and take them home to my trailer. I opened the understairs storage area to make sure that it was empty. As I opened the door, I could hear a low rumbling growl. I firmly stated out loud into the storage area that I was just there to get my stuff. I could see movement out of my peripheral vision. When all of my things were out of the storage area, I backed out and shut the door. I started to move my Christmas decorations to the front of the garage. On my last trip, as I turned to carry the Christmas tree box toward the garage doors, 
There stood in front of me the wolf-type entity. It was standing upright. I could not see his total physique, but could definitely see his fragmented silhouette. I put the box down and said to the creature that I was done and had no interest to challenge them anymore, nor did I wish to live with them, and God was my choice. I reiterated calmly that I was not afraid of them and that they had no power over me. Then I turned and started to walk out of the garage and back into the house. I felt a claw pulling on the crease of my left arm as I walked away. The entity that I found was in a weakened state. I was able to ignore what was happening. Something within me screamed, do not turn around, just keep going. I didn't know why I wasn't supposed to face the creature. I listened to what I considered my guardian angel. Two days later, I got a call from a retired couple who lived out of state. Their daughter, Sarah, who lived locally, wanted to come by and see the house on the parents' behalf. She had found my ad in the paper, and her parents had said it sounded exactly like what they wanted. They would be paying cash if the house turned out to be what they had expected. They would visit their daughter in two weeks and sign papers in. They gave me their daughter's phone number. I, phone number. I called her later and made arrangements for her to view the interior of the house. Ironically, a few hours later, I also got a call from the couple that had previously been over to see the house. They wanted it, but were having trouble coming up with the down payment for the lease option. They wanted to know if I would take less than the $5,000. I told them I couldn't. They told me that they would still need another month, perhaps less, to come up with the rest. I told them that I would sell the house to the first person with the money, and also that if the house was meant to be theirs, it would be. They asked me to let them know if I sold the house. Otherwise, they were going to try to get their money over in the next few weeks. I agreed to notify them of any changes. The next day I met with Sarah, who after seeing the house wanted her parents to come up sooner to see it. She thought that her parents would be very happy with it and didn't want for them to miss out on the chance to get it. So she called them and they agreed to come up in four days. I walked with her out the front doors and as we stood outside talking, I placed my key into the deadbolt to lock the door. The key slipped right back into the lock, but then would not turn and would not come back out. I was embarrassed as I stood there struggling with the key for five minutes. I reassured Sarah that her parents would most likely be changing the locks anyway, and that this lock had always been troublesome. I told her that I had planned to change the lock after all the renovations had been completed and no others were scheduled to come into the house. Trying to hide my frustration, I opened the door with my keys still dangling from the lock and glanced down the stairwell, into the stairwell. I saw the fragmented figure of the creature from below entering the bonus room at the bottom of the stairs. As soon as it disappeared into the room, the key released. I knew that the tricksters were at it again. I could not wait to finally be done with this house. Chapter 11, The Closing. Okay, if you like what you hear, send me some Facebook, YouTube, all those other places. Give me some thumbs up. Send me some hearts. Do all that good stuff. Show me some love. Same thing with TikTok. If, if you like what you hear, you like the story, double tap that screen, please. I'm just trying to build up my likes and stuff. Double tap that screen. And if you can find it in your heart to help me with my goal, that would be great, too. I'd appreciate it. I really would. A few hours later, I got to, okay, let me go up here. It just jumped down on me. Creepy. Okay. Okay. A few hours later, I got a call from Sarah's parents, who, after hearing about the house from Sarah, decided to come earlier than they had originally planned. They asked if they could see the house on Saturday, early in the afternoon. I agreed to meet them at 2.30 p.m. On Saturday... My mother and I went back to the East Flat Rock, to East Flat Rock. When I arrived, I went up to the front door with the WD-40 and saturated the lock. I also sprayed some on the key and slipped it in and out of the lock to help ensure that I would not have any more embarrassing issues with it. My mother and I prayed for protection, then entered the house. We walked through to make sure that nothing was amiss, and then we exited and waited outside for Sarah's parents to arrive. When they arrived, we walked around the yard first, then all of us. Sarah, both of her parents... Sarah's husband, my mother, and I entered the house. Sarah's parents were thrilled with it. They wanted to give me a deposit to sign papers to hold the house. They said that they would return in two weeks and plan to pay cash for the house. This worked out well for me because the next mortgage payment on the house was due in three weeks, and I would never have to make another mortgage payment on this house again. In the living room, we exchanged telephone numbers, and I gave them a receipt for their non-refundable deposit of $1,500. I asked if they wanted a home inspection done. I explained that I had had one done just eight months ago and could show that all the receipts, all the repairs were done. They thought that using mine would be good enough. They asked me to email it to them. 
Then I asked if they wanted to make arrangements with their attorney for closing or if they wanted to use mine. They said that they would use mine. I told them that I would let them know what dates were open and let them choose the one for closing that would most be most convenient for them. They seemed as happy as I once was. I, re I had really mixed emotions. On one hand, I was relieved to be finished with this horrific issue. On the other hand, I felt a sinking in my chest as my hopes and dreams of having this house as my family's home died. I hoped these people would find peace and joy in this house. As we were coming down the stairs to exit the house, Sarah's mother stumbled on the stairs. She turned around to her husband, who had been right behind her, and said, Why did you push me like that? I didn't, he replied. You were three steps in front of me, and I didn't touch you. Well, I don't know what happened then, she said. I highly suspected that it was the lurking creatures that had pushed Sarah's mom. I was already just outside the front door with Sarah when her parents came down the stairs. I had just overheard the couple's conversation about Sarah's mother being pushed. I didn't know what to say. However, I felt compelled to tell them about the spirits of the house. I needed my conscience to be clear, even though legally I didn't have to tell them. I asked them if they believed in ghosts, and both stated emphatically, no, we are Baptists, and we don't believe in things like paranormal or demonic stuff, and never discuss such matters. I respected that, and let the subject go. I hoped that this family would never ever be bothered by the horrors that my family had gone through. As I have said before, if they had asked me, I would have been honest. However, they didn't want to hear about what I had to say in reference to ghosts. If the original couple that I had bought the house from had told me that the house was haunted, I would have never thought I would have ever bought the house. I am sure that they knew. I reflected back on my closing with them and remembered that the wife hardly made eye contact during any of our conversations about the house, mostly looking down at the floor. I was also thankful that the house sold before the people with the children came back to buy it. I would not have sold it to them anyway, not after seeing the expressions on the children's faces when they viewed the lower level. And now, I had a good excuse not to. I never stepped another foot inside that house again. I met the retired couple at the attorney's office and imagined the awkwardness that the previous owners had when selling the house to me. Here was a couple all excited about buying this lovely home, while I was disappointed that it had not worked out for my family. I had wistful feelings about what could have, could, could have been the situation with my house, had the house been normal. I also hoped and prayed that this would truly be the dream house that these people wanted it to be. The closing went smoothly, and I handed over the keys. The people thanked me. I didn't know what to say, so I thanked them in return. Chapter 12. All right, guys, if you like what you hear, don't run TikTok. Tap that screen. Please double tap that screen. Tap, 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 tap. I really appreciate it. Show me some love. Tap that screen. Facebook, YouTube, thumbs up, smileys, hearts. Help me out here, guys. I'm just trying to build my stuff up, build my following up. The lowdown. If you suspect that there's a demonic or ghostly presence in your home, office, or building, or if you just simply want to check space out before buying or leasing it, this book could be a valuable asset. I will tell you how to confirm your suspicions. Once the results are established, it will be up to you to decide how to proceed. My intention is to help people by revealing my experience and, and derived understanding, the limited amount of, of real help out there for this kind of situation, as well as the expense that can be incurred, regardless of whether it works or not, is appalling. I am very familiar with, with the fear, desperation, and frustration level that this type of issue creates. To be clear, I do not know how to remove ghosts or demons from your haunted place. However, I do know that part, and you know that part, should not be undertaken on your own. I can tell you what I saw people doing and what I was told to do, but you will need to have assistance with removing the entities. I can also tell you what I experienced that worked and didn't work. Though I can't tell you how to remove them, I can tell you some ways to confirm the presence of entities without having to hire someone else's services. That way, you can either concentrate your attention and financial resources on finding someone to get the ghosts out, or to move from the space, or to help you decide whether or not to buy or rent it to begin with. I hope that my shared knowledge and experience will help you. Dealing with ghosts is never a game. Things such as Ouija boards should be avoided, since whatever spirit that is drawn in by the Ouija may never leave. This may also open the door for demons to enter. If your teenager's curiosity wants to experience the goosebumpy thrill of interacting with a ghost, take them to a haunted place away from your home for a tour. There are places to go, go for hauntings. They have been documented and advertised. 
It is one thing to be curious about the paranormal. It is another to invite them into your space where you may not be able to stop experiencing them. A lot of hauntings have been brought into a home because of innocent curiosity or lack of knowledge. Excuse my allergies. It is very important to avoid giving outward attention to demons, as they feed on any acknowledgement, with the exception of prayer. Prayer and the word of God wills them and serves as a good repellent. Speak of them away from homes because, okay, speak of them away from your haunted space, as they can hear you and energize from the attention. If you really feel the need to have a clairvoyant confirm your infestation, see them away from your suspected place. They don't have to be there to pick up on what's going on. If you are approached by a demon or ghost, remember that they cannot read your mind and only go by what they see and hear. Prayer always helps, and more, and more so if you remain calm and state your prayer firmly. Silent prayer works also, since it's a private conversation between you and God. It is a good thing to use when you need help and are too afraid to say anything or are not sure of what to say. I cannot express this enough. Always be aware but never obvious when dealing with this kind of thing. What I mean is that what I mean by that is that if you see a ghost or demon, it doesn't know that you've seen it. So try not to scream, gasp, or negatively comment. This type of response energizes negative forces. Find a way to shift your emotional gears to a calmer state. Your fear, misery, sorrow, addiction, and depression are the thrill. When in the unwanted presence, simply start singing or humming a hymn, then pray silently or out loud into the room. If that doesn't make it go away once you have weakened it, firmly command it to leave and inform it that only God has power there. Then seek real help to get them out if you find that it returns or the situation in your space becomes more active. Sometimes entities are just passing through and just need to know that they have no business in your space. It's hard to shop around for a capable person to help. There is no section in the yellow pages for this kind of thing. However, when someone is found, Ask to check their references. If they have excuses for not sharing that information, find someone else. Evasion usually means that they will be unavailable to return your money when you find out that their supposed expertise doesn't work. They might even blame the reason that it didn't work on you to justify stealing your money. Be sure to check with at least three of their clients that they have successfully accomplished what they claim to be and what they do. If the person is capable, they should be able to clear your house in one session. Ask how many clearings that they've done prior. You obviously want someone well seasoned on the subject. In my experience, and the experience of others who have had true hauntings, even though the intention is real and good, a lot of times having your church come over to pray makes things worse, especially when it's a demonic infestation. When dealing with hauntings, you are forced to step outside of your comfort zone and seek untraditional help for an abnormal problem. And even with that being said, be prepared that your only recourse may end up being the move from the area. May God bless you and all, your and all of your families, pets, and friends. And any of these can be affected by this type of activity. I want to share this, and this is only my opinion, based on my own experience with no proof in fact. Though it is something to think about. If you have ever personally experienced demonic activity, and the amount of force it can generate when they push, bite, chew, claw, or strike hard enough to leave bruises. You might agree that these creatures have strength and ability to be the cause of SIDS, which is sudden infant death syndrome. It would be very easy for a higher level demon to suffocate a newborn or small child who is sleeping, especially belly down. Again, if you're uncomfortable with what I'm reading, feel free to go. Okay, just skip the page, don't turn me into the TikTok police or anything like that. They've been rejoicing and energizing the pain and suffering that it would cause the family. Medical experts still haven't found a clear medical reason for SIDS. Perhaps there isn't one. I also believe, after experiencing my daughter's pain issue, that some people who have pain issues could have demonic attachments. Demons love addiction and pain because of the chaos that it creates for not only the person having it, but also for the people that are around them. Higher level pain is traditionally treated with medication. A lot of people who would have normally never taken pain medication become addicts trying to find comfort. Demons feed on people's addictions. So if you have an addiction, try to get rid of it. Now let's get started looking for demons and ghosts. Assuming you have already verified that you don't have some form of pest problem in your home that could be causing the sounds in your attic or walls, and there's been more than one incident of happenings, 
then there is a good chance that you have spiritual activity. There is no one that you can trust in this matter more than your own feelings and those of the people and pets around you. If you suspect that you have an issue, I would believe that you do. If your children say that they have experienced something or that something makes them feel un uncomfortable, then listen. This applies if you are not having the same experiences or unable to see what they are seeing. Your pet's instincts can also be trusted, so watch their behavior. Your pet being unwilling to enter a room could be a good example. Animals are not afraid of angelic activity. Even ghosts and spiritual activity alerts them, but for the most part, it doesn't bother them. You might notice your pet washing something that you can't see. Animals are able to tell the difference between living humans and ghosts or spirits of dead ones. However, they do not like the negative, evil energy that demons create. Have you ever heard someone say, if my dog likes the person, then I know they're okay? Or something of that nature? Animals have an innate sense. They can't lie or embellish. Even if they are willing to enter an area with demonic activity, it won't take them long until after, until, until they are either looking for an exit or having a peculiar behavior such as growling at things that are not visible to you. Heavily Spirits and ghosts are different. In my experience, ghosts are earthbound human spirits that have not crossed over. They have lost their way for whatever reason, guilt, addiction, or maybe worry over a loved one still living. And they have chosen not to pass over. They wander and sometimes don't even realize that they're dead. They can make noise, move things, and show their form. The ghosts also are not aware of time as we know it. Therefore, they do the sorts of things mentioned whenever they feel like it, even in the middle of the night. Spirits are human souls who have crossed over and returned to visit as they please. They are not stuck here. They will never make you feel frightened. They, they bring comfort, warmth, and help. Even though they also have a different time frame than ours, they do not disturb your sleep. They will often use your sleep time for communication and can just enter your dreams if they want your attention. Again, if your kids are frightened by the ghostly lady, that was standing next to their bed in the middle of the night, don't assume that it's your dear Aunt Lulu that passed away or a guardian angel. If it was, they would not be scary. Spirit forms that have passed away and have crossed over are never scary in any way. Also keep in mind that just because someone else, your child for instance, sees something that you don't, doesn't mean that it isn't there. You just cannot see it. Go with your feelings, not your sight. It, it is your hair rising on the back of your neck, is your hair rising on the back of your neck? Goosebumps? Do you feel the rush of cool air? Is there a buzzing in one of your ears? The worst thing that you can say to a child in this case is that there's nothing there. It is a caretaker's job, when in this type of situation, to comfort and empower the child by giving them tools to protect themselves on every level by teaching them to firmly say, go away now, or leave now, to whatever is scaring them in your home. A child that is excessively and consistently afraid of the dark in a particular area or room, but not all areas, may be afraid of what comes to visit in the dark more so than the darkness. Check your house for ghosts and remain calm and in a neutral space while teaching your child so that they don't learn to go into a place of fear. They need to remain calm in order to keep demonic activity in a weakened state. Keep in mind that as we exist, so does the spiritual realm, and in many cases, they both reside here on Earth. Some people are more sensitive to it than others, and your child might be one of them. Many children are. The most inconspicuous way to help determine paranormal activity in your home is to get a 35mm camera, not your phone camera, and start taking photos in the rooms that you have felt activity in, as well as in stairwells and hallways. Always get pictures along the ceiling and wall crease and leave your flash off unless the room has no light source, at all, or it is at night time. The flash reflects dust particles. Also, avoid activity in the room, such as walking through it prior to taking your photos, as this also keeps the dust from being disturbed. Keep your camera handy for any time that your family feels a presence and photograph the area. Maybe carry it in your pocket. Look at the pictures on a computer. Orbs appear like bubbles. Clear bubbles are usually dust. Slightly cloudy to fully cloudy are colored orbs or spirits. Many times you can actually see a face. The faces in many cases appear upside down. Second, and only if you didn't get the confirmation from your photos, get a tape recorder to set it up. Turn it on before you leave if you're not going to be home. Also, turn it on in the evening, 9 p.m. or later, is usually a good time, regardless of your time zone. 
with the tape recorder on, ask out loud into the room, is there anyone here? And allow a gap of silence for the ghost to respond. You won't hear them until you replay the tape. In extreme cases, you can set up an infrared video camera or baby monitor camera to view activity in a room at night. They show up in infrared. She has a picture of an orb over her fireplace, okay? So she's, she's describing it. This particular orb has a face in it that appears in the orb upside down. The two blue circles in the lower edge inside the white are, are eyes. <clears throat> and the reddish oblong area along the right, along, inside the white orb at the top appears in the mouth. These were taken up by a 35 millimeter camera and have only been edited for zoom size, not content. Again, be sure to verify that whomever you choose to have come into your space for help is someone who has verifiable proof that they are able to remove entities, not just their word. Pray to God that he will lead you to the right person or people for help. And understand that it may not come in the form that you expect. God has power over all, and a person who is completely pure would be a good choice for blessing. However, no human is. Whenever you're looking for a person to help you, ask them if you can make a down payment, then pay the rest when their work proves to be effective. All humans are imperfect. Are imperfect. Even with the best intentions, the, the, the imperfections show through, especially in the spirit, spiritual sense. As an example, is the Catholic priest that came over to my house. He was visibly scared, understandably so. Because of this, his blessing in my house was more of an irritant to the spirits than, than, than a demonic expulsion. The entities energized on the priest's fear, yet were weakened by God's word. This blessing didn't get them out completely. This allowed the entities to later re-energize over a short period of time. Then they return in attack mode. I was told again and again that my lack of faith was the reason I was being attacked and having this demonic issue in my life. That comment is just plain stupid and totally not true. I have a strong faith and I do not judge others, which is God's place only. I wasn't the problem. It was the house. I was told that it was a process that I needed to diligently continue to ward off the spirits of the East Flat Rock House. If it is a demonic infestation, unfortunately, that part can be true some of the time because of the invisible portals through which they come and go are able to reappear at any time. If there is a portal in your house, even if one demon or ghost leaves, another can follow. Once the entities are removed, the ethereal portals have to be sealed shut. With a ghost versus demon, there is still a choice factor involved. Most ghosts are harmless, but if they choose to remain earthbound, there is really nothing that you can do about it except pray to God for assistance so that he can help the spirit with the transition of crossing over and then leave it in God's hands. Remember that God's time frame may be different than yours. Ghosts by themselves do not ever inflict pain and cannot harm you. However, demons posing as ghosts or accompanying ghosts can. They can also appear as childlike ghosts. They can manifest like people that look and sound familiar. However, they can only sustain their images for a short period of time before showing their true identity. The draining energy and stress that these demons create in the environment can make a person mentally and physically ill. In my experience, they focus on your weak areas, and their negativity can accelerate any ailments that are festering in a person's system due to the amount of stress they create. You can choose to believe this or not, but I personally found this to be true in five cases at my house. The first being my mother's intestinal issues while in the house, as well as the continued diarrhea that she had following each time she visited my home. Ellen's cancer, which had been in remission for years, spread throughout 18 areas of her body within three months after coming to the East Flat Rock House. My friend Janice passed kidney stones and was hospitalized for, for a raging kidney infection just three days after being in the house. A friend that had asked not to have his story told in the book gave me permission to share that his Meniere's disease that had been under control for years flared up the day after coming to my house on two different occasions. Then there was my daughter's back pain. This is not medically proven. However, this is what I observed and experienced. These demonic spirits are in fact able to inflict harm, such as cat-like claw marks, bite marks, and bruises. They can pull your hair, push you, talk to you, crawl, crawl in bed with you, and touch you whenever they want to wherever they want to. They can temporarily paralyze your ability to move anything but your eyeballs. 
They can move, lift, and throw things. The Episcopalian priest from the paranormal group told me that he was also working on three demonic rape cases. As I said before, it's up to you to believe it or not. I hope that you never ever have to go through anything like the things mentioned here. But if you do, I hope this book helps you. I would again like to close this book with the Lord's Prayer or whatever prayer you may choose. I'm going to skip over that. That's it. And that is the end of the book. We completed it. And so next week I will be reading uh, a book by author uh, by author Mary Muter, and it's about past lives. So we'll be, we'll be getting into that book. It's an interesting book she wrote. So it will be 6.30 p.m. Pacific next Sunday. I'll be back here reading. I want to thank everybody for listening and who tuned in today because I know it's a Sunday night. And not everybody wants to like be sitting on the computer forever, right? <laughs> or on the phone. But I really appreciate you all coming. And tomorrow, again, like I said earlier, uh, this is a regular radio show that I do. Uh, my dog, hear that? Kind of freaked me out after reading the book. Uh, this is a regular radio show that I do. And it's Sunday through Friday. And again, I read on Sundays. And then the rest of the week we have guests on. And that being said, I won't be, uh, I won't be live tomorrow. However, my guest is Oliver, Oliver Martin Cass, and he has a book about survival. Um, to give you an idea, one, one of the stories he tells in the book is about a stewardess who, the, who falls from an airplane at 30,000 feet and survives. So he's, he's, he's written a couple of books on this topic. So he's going to be on tomorrow. I, I, I did a pre-recording because he lives in New Zealand. He's going to be on tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific on, on our YouTube channel, and that's youtube.com forward slash at California Haunts Radio. So uh, if you want to see that, check it out tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, I want to thank everybody for coming, and I will see you all live on Tuesday. I will try and be in the chat room tomorrow, uh, but I do have some company business to take care of tomorrow. So I will see you all on Tuesday, live. That will be the 6.30 p.m. show as well. All right? Catch you guys later. Have a great rest of your evening.